This is an ABC podcast. Matters of State. New South Wales votes. Your guide to the state election with Sarah McDonald and Ashley Raper. Welcome to Matters of State. This is a weekly podcast that will keep you up to date with the New South Wales state election and bring you analysis that digs beneath the surface of the campaign trail. I'm Sarah McDonald, the host of Mornings on ABC Radio Sydney. And I'm Ashley Raper, New South Wales state political reporter for ABC News. And today we're focusing on who would like to be Premier and the teams around them, who could be the ministers in the next government. You'll get to know more about them. We'll chat to Professor Andy Marks, Pro-Vice-Chancellor at Western Sydney University, who's been talking to the leaders. And because of so much of the focus of the election being in that area, we'll look at that and whether it should be. Now, it's getting really real now, I think for the election. Parliament's been dissolved. We've had the Labor campaign launch on the weekend. The Liberals is coming soon. The coalition government is in caretaker mode. The writs have been issued. The candidates are all being locked in this week. So it's game on time. Talk to us about this week and where the election campaign has been. Oh, yes, Sarah. So we had the Labor launch, which is always the the Labor rah-rah to signal the start of the campaign in earnest. And we have spoken about before that, look, this has been a long campaign already that started way back in January, but it now is very much, as you mentioned, Parliament's being dissolved, writs are issued, it is go time. And we saw at the Labor launch, it was actually the, the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, was there. Uh, he, the leader of the country, was the lead up act to the, the New South Wales Labor leader, Chris Minns. Chris Minns is a leader who will always stand up for what is right. A leader who doesn't pick fights, but doesn't shy away from them either. A leader energised by the great enduring Labor values that add up to the desire to make a positive and lasting difference. Also, we saw some announcements from Labor at that campaign launch. One was about greatly increasing the number of apprentices in in the public sector, so at Essential Energy, uh, places like Sydney Water as well. The big reveal as well was subsidies uh, for, for healthcare students. Now, this was borrowed from Daniel Andrews' campaign in Victoria last year. And and Daniel Andrews announced that there, that it was going to be for nurses and midwives and that there'd be uh, big subsidies to attract them to, to the nursing profession because we know that there's, there, there's a shortage. Now, there's definitely need there. Chris Minns did a, did a slimmed down uh, version, a, a smaller version, and it's for 2,000 students a year and it's healthcare workers. So it's nurses, midwives, paramedics, uh, allied health professionals as well. So that was the big announcement uh, that came out of Labor. Now from from the Liberals, uh, we've seen they're going to do 500 new preschools for their pre-kindergarten year. Now that's a big education reform that the Premier announced last year, actually in conjunction with um, the Victorian Premier, Daniel Andrews. So there's, there's a bit of a theme here. Maybe we're borrowing a bit from uh, the South a bit. Um, but what we saw as well, we've also seen upgrades, a promise of upgrade to 20 new hospitals. But what's been interesting that has happened this week for, for the Liberal side of the campaign, and they haven't had their official launch yet that's uh, happening a week after Labor's is two things. First is that the ICAC, the Corruption Watchdog, released a statement yesterday. Now, how it works with ICAC is that 
you don't know that an investigation is happening until they announce public hearings. And what has been exposed is that the ICAC actually looked into the appointment of John Barilaro, the controversial appointment of John Barilaro yes, to, to the US former Trade Former Nationals Post. leader and, and Deputy Premier. Yes, to that Trade Post. Now, that scandal engulfed the government for, for weeks last year. And, and what has happened with that is that the ICAC said they looked at it, they looked into the former Deputy Premier John Barilaro. They also looked into the former Trade Minister, Stuart Ayres, who was still a Member of Parliament. He's the Penrith MP. And the ICAC has concluded that there is no evidence of corrupt conduct. Mm -hmm. But the Hills inquiries, uh, some things have been sent to ICAC about that and they're still yet to make their hand down their findings about the former Premier Gladys Berejiklian. Yes, well, the Hills Shire is is one, and and then they've got the, a lot to do. Then the um the investigation into Gladys Berejiklian is, okay. is another issue. But just in terms of the Hills Shire, what came out of that? Now that's been a parliamentary inquiry that that dragged the, the premier's brothers into it, and and the premier has been very critical, saying that was very political. Now they handed down the parliamentary inquiry, handed down their investigation uh, last week. But what happened was that the Premier also ordered the State Director of the Liberal Party to look into the allegations that came out of that inquiry and the allegations that have been talked about, including branch stacking and impropriety of some councillors. So the Premier actually flipped a bit on that. After poo-pooing it for so long, he has now actually said that that needs to be looked okay. at. All right. Well, that's what's been happening this week. But we're going to bring in our guest now because so much of this campaign has been on Western Sydney. Professor Andy Marks is Director of the Centre for Western Sydney and Pro Vice-Chancellor of Western Sydney University. Welcome to Matters of State. Hi, guys. I'm so excited. I'm a political tragic. Are you? Yeah. Another political nerd. We're, we're a bit of a threesome <laughs> well, we here on that. The club. <laughs> it's great to be here. <laughs> we need tattoos. So you must be feeling pretty popular because this election is so much about Western Sydney. Let's have a listen to some of the young voters who attended your Western Sydney Votes forums over the last couple of weeks. My name is Bayan Sahaili. My focus, uh, well, what I'm looking at is the economy, especially the housing crisis. Uh, one thing that keeps me and a lot of young people up at night is the fact that we may not be able to afford a house the next decade in Sydney. Yeah, so I'm definitely looking at the different parties and thinking through who's actually looking at the intersectionality of different issues, um, not just looking at health, but what else feeds into that, the way um, socioeconomic factors and things like that impact, as well as um, yeah, other factors like climate change and things like that. My name is Nicholas Howie. I'm um, a proud Dadog man of the Bulbarongo clan, and I study here at Western Sydney University as a high school physics teacher in training. There's a lot of focus for me on where we will be in the next five, ten years, especially in Aboriginal culture and Aboriginal communities. I want to see more conversation around inclusivity of culture and a bridge between the gap of Western culture and Aboriginal culture. And I think where that needs to happen the most is in health and education, um, because those are the places where we cross over the most. There's some of the voters in Western Sydney. And Andy, we'll go into Western Sydney a bit more later on, but what's your general vibe about this election? You've been on the ground in some of the really important seats that matter. This election's really bucking all of the trends. I mean, you've got two premiers that aren't the traditional representatives of their party. You've got Perrottet, who's from the sort of religious right, Mins, who originally spoke out against union membership and influence, so you've got people that are kind of casting themselves not just against each other, but against their own party's traditions. Uh, and Perrottet's never been in opposition. Minns has never been in government. 
So it's a real sense of firsts at the leadership level. And I think um, that means you're going to have a very different kind of campaign. Well, that's what we're definitely having. And it has been focused a lot on the leaders. So we thought we'd talk today just exactly about who these leaders are. I mean, not that you can sum up a whole person in a, in a podcast or in a radio show. We can't do that? No, I okay. don't think we can. Okay. People are complex. But Ash, tell us about the Liberal leader, Dominic Perrottet, and our, our caretaker, uh, Premier. What's his background and how did he get here? Dominic Perrottet, he's actually our youngest Premier that the state has had, and he came to power as a 39-year-old in, in that top job. And he'd been in Parliament, he came in in 2011 when the Coalition came into power. Before that, he, he was a lawyer, he was involved in student politics in, in Sydney Uni, and when he did take the top job, because he, he, he'd he always had this air of that he was always going to be the leader. There's sometimes, Macquarie is a funny thing. The heir apparent. Yes, there's always <laughs> these people that come in with a buzz. Um, and, and when we start talking about Chris Mins, he had the same, that there's always this talk that somehow that these people come in, that they're quite unknown and they're young or they're, or they're not young, that they're always going to be the next leader. And now Dominic Perrottet definitely had that sense around him. And I'm not sure why, or then, you know, does it become a self-fulfilling you know, prophecy that these people do end up the leader? But he moved up the ranks very quickly. He became the finance minister three years in, uh, which, which is quite extraordinary. And then he became the treasurer and then the premier. So he's had this meteoric rise um, through the party. And when, when he became, as, as Andy said, that he, he's from the right and, and they're not the dominant faction in no. New South Wales, the moderates are. So Matt Keane was instrumental. Uh, he, he is now the treasurer in swinging the moderate numbers behind Dominic Perrottet to get him the, the top job. Now, um, privately, an MP had said to me that when Dominic Perrottet became the Premier that there were calls to, to that particular electorate office and they were really concerned about him and in terms of, of, of his views. You know, we know he voted against abortion, that he, that he wasn't a moderate he liked uh, Dom Donald Trump originally. <laughs> originally, yes. But I think what has happened with Dominic Perrottet, the more people have seen him, uh, the more they are surprised by him because he has evolved as, as quite a pragmatic leader. He's definitely a pragmatist, isn't he, Andy Marks? He's, he's, I think, changed a lot in the job too. How is he being perceived and how do you think he's changed uh, Sydney and, and the state? Oh, look, I think Ash is right. He came out, you know, in those sort of early uh, days of leadership aspiration and started making commentary on urban design and architecture and things that were kind of outside I guess, of his direct oh, what area he of expertise. Down. He, yes, he was yeah. cheeky about that. Yeah, yeah I love Hates that old series building. I love, yeah. that, I love that building. <laughs> um, and, you know, so he was sort of starting to realise that he had to cultivate a broader support base. He had to get beyond, I guess, those things that, you know, he was personally obsessive about uh, and, and become a bit more of a sort of uh, someone that can appeal to a wider group. I think, though, that uh, he learnt lessons. He learnt lessons from somebody like Mike Baird. I can't help but see parallels in the way that um, Perrottet's come out on gambling against pokies with the way that Baird came out against Greyhound Racing. So he's trying to make some stances here that are, I guess, giving a bit of moral uh, shape to him, to him outside of his economic and other credentials. Um, and that's pretty unexpected for most people that knew him. He was a political animal, and I, I think he would admit that as well, you know, coming through the young Liberals, coming through the right faction. So he's trying to humanise himself a little bit. Yeah, he's very uh, young and he's 40 now and energetic. Here's a, a bit from Dominic Perrottet describing his job with uh, you, Ash Raper. We've got challenging economic times ahead, so my job is to continue to deal with the here and now. But 
we have an obligation to look for the future. I didn't run for parliament uh, just to be focused on an election. I want to set our state up for the next generation, and that's what you'll see. It's interesting this week where he also admitted about uh, he liked a bit of a vape and talked about his flavour. He's got a TikTok account and he's playing basketball. Uh, but let's talk about Dom's party. He's lost a lot of senior ministers to retirement, to seat squabbles. He's got a, a totally different team that are seeking election, but he's taking his old team to the polls and we haven't had a reshuffle. So who will be in his new team if he is re-elected? Well, look, that's the big question and it is quite interesting that he hasn't done a reshuffle to take a, the new team to to the electorate, and 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 Labor has has been at pains to to point that out, and and he is losing a lot of experience around him. He's losing his very good friend uh, Rob Stokes, uh, who, who ironically ra- ran against him I- in the leadership, and he's also losing Brad Hazard, and and Brad Hazard and Dominic Perrottet have an interesting relationship. I think they have a bit of a a father son kind of relationship. So he's losing two of his big sounding boards, but there are five ministers going all together and we're not clear uh, who will replace them um, because there has been an, an exodus. Um, but look, the, the Premier is trying to spin it by saying, look, it's good, it's good for renewal, it's it's time for renewal. But but it does raise some questions about who is going to, to fill these, these, these big shoes. I suppose that's the interesting thing, isn't it, Andy Marks? It's an experienced team, but we're fresh and new at the same time that the Coalition's message is. Yeah, you've got to do that, I think, after 12 years in office. And I think one of the criticisms that they've rightly had directed at them, the Coalition, that is, is the lack of women in leadership in Cabinet positions, which is just abysmal. Um, and uh, there's still that refusal, though, I think, to implement structural change to get that to, to turn around. So, you know, I, I can't help um, wonder why he doesn't use this opportunity to, to foreground the role of women in his potential cabinet should he win the election. So seems like a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, what's the difference in women between the parties? Look, there is there is a big difference um, just in terms of even just representation I- I- in the parliament. Uh, the, the Liberals are below 30% just in, in the current parliament. Labor is closer to... 40%. And in terms of you compare cabinet to cabinet out of uh, in the in the Liberals coalition cabinet there are there are six women out mm. of 24. I think maybe it's down to 23 now that they've they've lost a few ministers um and only three of them are liberal women and none of them are senior ministers. Mm. On the other side you've got Labor and it's almost 50-50 in the shadow cabinet yeah. in the leadership team it is 50-50. You have a deputy leader Prue Carr is the education minister. And so it, it is a contrast and, and there has been an opportunity to address it, but it hasn't been taken up um, by the Liberals. You know, Stuart Ayres uh, at last year stepped aside as the deputy Liberal leader and they replaced him with Matt Keane. Now you have Matt Keane who uh, publicly is the champion of women and he does a lot in terms of policies and he's always the first one to say, hey, let's put a woman in or let's pre-select a woman. But when a vacancy came up, he took the job. Indeed. There's, I think, some more infighting within the parties than across the political spectrum, I think, and we'll cross that divide in just a sec. Matters of State. New South Wales Votes. Your guide to the state election with Sarah MacDonald and Ashley Raper. And Andy Marks is with us in the studio today and uh, he has been speaking to the candidates and the teams in Western Sydney University but also out around in Western Sydney. Let's get to the Labor side and Chris Minns. What do you make of Chris Minns, Andy Marks? Oh, look, you know, as I said, I think he's he's not true to type Labor. I mean, in the sense that you, you see figures like Daniel Mookie and others that have come up through that 
that traditional union-dominated um, kind of uh, milieu of labour, whereas uh, Minns, you know, quite prominently said that we need to be a broader party with broader interests and broader influences. He's since walked that back a little bit. You don't get to become leader of the Labor Party unless you do build those bridges and have that relationship with the union movement. But I think he's trying to push Labor in a new direction. The other thing that, that Minns is doing really, I think, very effectively, uh, and remains to be seen whether it works, is to not be combative. You know, Tony Abbott famously at the federal level became the kind of attack dog kind of opposition uh, leader. And I think that he's sensed, certainly Menz has sensed, that the public doesn't want that. And the image of the bear pit where, you know, each side's, you know, rushing to destroy one another is not one that he wants to perpetuate. So he backed in a lot of measures through the pandemic. He's not critical directly of the government unless he absolutely has to be. Um, when he can find a unity ticket, he finds one. Yes, he's definitely done that, hasn't he? Tell us a bit more about him, Ash Rapper, and his background. He has worked for Labor politicians in the past, hasn't he? Yes. And he was head of Young Labor, like Dominic Perrottet was head of Young Liberals. And he's been the Assistant Secretary for the Labor Party, so he's worked in the Labor machine. Um, he's been a political staffer to Carl Scully and John Robertson. And then in 2015, he was elected. I was actually the, the younger reporter who was sent to his party. I was there the night he w was uh, elected and I was at his party in Cogra in, in 2015 and, and watched that unfold. Now, with Chris Minns, he as well has always had talk and he, he's wanted to be the leader and we've known that he made no secret of it. He he was third time lucky for him. He'd run twice before for the leadership. So he, he always had leadership aspirations. And it's interesting, he said he had this big plan that he wanted to implement, but what we've seen of him so far is he's played it very safe. He's run a very small target campaign so much. And there is a risk with that, though, that he might not attract the attention of voters. And we're not really sure exactly who is Chris Minns. Like, we have seen Dominic Perrottet come out on gambling and, and things like that, in, issues that are important to him. In terms of Chris Minns, we're not really sure what he, he cares about. We know he plays the guitar. I think he was on commercial radio playing, is playing he, guitar. Is he any good? Can he play? He didn't do April Sun in Cuba, he did he? I don't know. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think it was Kashmir Radio. I don't think it would have gone down with that that audience. You know, he's a dad. He's got three kids, and we know that he cares about education. He's pointed to his father was, was he a says teacher. that's a big thing in his life: education, yes. education, education. Yeah. Because of his dad, so. There are a few things we know about him, but it's almost, you know, do we know the real Chris, Chris Minns yet? He hasn't quite revealed himself. Mm. Here's Chris Minns. If there's one single issue that I think defines us and needs immediate help and, and attention, it's education, public education in particular. My dad's a retired public school teacher. He said it was a vocation. There's no machine that you can build that can replace a great educator. We're really going to have to invest in the best and brightest to get into our schools and think about the future. As Labor leader Chris Minns, who would like to be Premier. Andy Marks, what do you think the strategy is about the small target and the not being too oppositional? It does get annoying when people just say no to everything, but how much of a mongrel do you need to be in New South Wales politics? Well, you know, it doesn't mean if you're not a mongrel as leader that you take the mongrel out of the party. So we have seen through some uh, inquiries, certainly um, the rest of, of his shadow cabinet ranks be quite aggressive. Um, and I think um, that's a tactic he's deployed as well, where he's trying to sort of raise himself above or, or be separate from that. The other thing that Minns is doing, I think, quite effectively is um, painting himself pr probably as someone who's just a suburban guy with a, a regular guy with a family um, living in Cogra, not um, getting... Uh, I guess, uh, too much uh, into the, 
the idea of personality politics. I think he's just you know, trying to sort of suggest to people, I understand you've got your lives to get on with. I'm not here to interrupt that. I'm just asking, you know, for your support and I'm a stable character. I think that um, he uh, and the Liberals, and Matt Keane's driven this for the Liberals, they've recognised that people don't vote because of big kid infrastructure anymore like they used to. It used to be that you build bridges, roads, rail, etc., and that gives you a bump. It didn't mm. give Berridge well, a clean Well, that's been the, the big turnaround on privatisation too, yeah, hasn't it, for absolutely. the coalition? And, and it didn't work. I mean, the last signal was, even though Michael Daly, the previous Labor uh, leader, sort of really performed quite badly in the final weeks of his campaign, you know, if the election was held in Western Sydney, they, Labor would have been returned. So those big projects that uh, the coalition have been very good at delivering through privatisation aren't giving the bump that they used to. They're not, I guess, on the ground, people aren't feeling as though those things are improving their lives. We'll talk about the Nationals who are in coalition, of course, with the Liberals and their leader, Paul, till next week when we talk about the regions in the podcast. But in terms of Western Sydney, why does it matter so much, Andy Marks? And I want to talk to Ash about whether it's perhaps mattered too much and the Liberals have been <laughs> neglecting some of their vital seats. Yeah, look, quickly, I mean, I think there's seven seats that we're looking at in Western Sydney and just pure uh, through uh, pure virtue of their marginality. But, uh, yeah, you know, the third of the votes that will be cast at the election will be cast in Western Sydney. Um, the pathway to victory isn't there for Labor unless they win those seats. Um, and also you have a lot of controversy around each of them. In the southwest, you know, with Di Lee federally coming in as an independent, you potentially have Frank Carbone looking to spoil in Fairfield. You have Stuart Ayres, the minister in exile in Penrith in a highly marginal seat. You've got the new seat of Leppington. You've got a really young electorate, and we heard those voices earlier from younger voters. A lot of people in Riverston, Penrith, those electorates that are really on the, on the margins are voting for the first time. So it's really volatile. And the swings in Western Sydney, both federally and at the state election in recent elections, have been much broader and wider than they have been uh, around the nation or yes. the state. And, and just as a reporter, we see that the leaders are going out there almost yeah. every day, it's, yeah. especially Leppington. I, it's like three <laughs> times a week that the, the, the press pack goes out yeah. to Leppington. Do you think that cuts through? You're standing up there, yeah. you know, in a field, everybody drives in and then almost drives out again. You know, they drive back to the, back to, into the CBD for a yeah. meeting, both the politicians. Do you think it is cutting through that they are spending a lot of time there? Look, I think this is a deliberately, even though they're very grandiose kind of media events um, and they, they are kind of bizarre, I think it's a deliberately hyper-local strategy. And we know that, you know, this electorate, a lot of people, uh, this election, a lot of people spent a lot of time locked in their houses, um, particularly in southwestern Sydney during the pandemic. Yes. and a lot haven't decided how to vote. And no. One Nation, hopefully, they think they can get some seats <laughs> they there do. as well. They do, yeah. Let's see if they do. Yeah. But, Ash, is there a danger in this and a neglect of some of the, the Liberal heartland seats that in the federal election went to Teals uh, and, and a real sweep north of the harbour for Teals? It's harder in New South Wales. We were talking about this last week, but there's some polling going on that shows perhaps they're very worried about some of these seats. Well, this, and if you look at the results of the federal election, you would think that the Liberal Party would be very worried, especially about the North. And there are, there are Teal Climate 200 backed candidates running. There are also uh, two independents, quite grassroots campaign that we've got the Northern Beaches Mayor in, in Wakehurst and Larissa Penn running in Willoughby. And, 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 it, and it does divert resources. And you have got this campaign fighting on two 
to France. And, and, and they're also almost different issues. Yes, cost of living is, is overarching, but in some instances, the cost of living and the, the acute hardship isn't as prominent on the north of Sydney. And they are looking at other issues like gambling reform and those more integrity issues play into to, to those voters there. And so we did see the Premier has been out in the northern beaches. So they are fighting really on two fronts. They're just in terms of how successful the independents can be, we have to remember that the optional preferential voting in New South Wales could could change it in terms of the federal because you don't have to it, uh, preference flows exhaust because you don't have to number every box mm. and almost all the federal independents apart from Zali Stegall won. Um, they didn't win the primary on vote. They won on preferences. Yes. Yeah. And of course, there's funding caps. What do you think uh, will happen in those seats, Andy Marks, to take you out of where you're comfortable in Western? You want Sydney? me to go to the northern beaches? I want you to travel to the northern beaches in your mind. Don't oh. say anything bad about the northern beaches. I grew up on the northern beaches. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying that before you go. Um, look, I, I think um, I think the preference flow uh, question is the real one. I don't think you're going to see a teal wave. We've got to remember too that the northern beaches and all those seats to the north of Sydney, they, they have a bit of a tradition of independence. Yeah, just not North those, Sydney does. Yeah, yes. just not those teal independents. And the issues of integrity and environment, Matt Keane's been really, really kind of quite prominent in pushing those issues as, as sort of vanguard things for the government. So I don't think they're as exposed as they were at the federal election. Well, I suppose all will be revealed March 25th and that night. Will we get a decision on that night? I won't sleep till then, I'll tell you what. You won't sleep till then and you might not sleep that night as well. Probably not, no. He's a nerd and he loves politics and uh, thank you for being on the show this week. Andy, great to chat. And Ash, next week we will look, yes, at at some of those seats in the region and and the significant seats that will matter in regional uh, New South Wales. Yeah, because there are a number of significant seats that Labor is is targeting to Liberals and and to flip with the Nationals too. Excellent. All right, well, if you'd like to tell us why you're voting for who you're voting for and the issues that are driving your vote, call our election hotline and record your thoughts. 02-833-1702. And remember to follow Matters of State on the ABC Listen app so you never miss an episode. That's it for this week, but look out for us on your feeds next week. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.